0: How are you all doing today? Good. Sorry, I just get myself sorted out. Is that okay? Just chat away to the person next to you. Before we get into to this week's message, I, w- I want to talk to you about our series starting next week. So we've got a series starting next week called Countercultural, and it's about the nine Beatitudes. Cool thing is, is you're all going to get a journal that you can use for the, for the nine weeks, and it has spaces for notes, but it also has daily soap stuff that you can do, Uh, Soap means scripture, observation, application, prayer. Let we just take a little bit out of my mic and get a bit of feedback? Um, And it'll be really, really good for you to get one of these next week, and if you're not there next week, the week after, and just walk through this whole thing. And the reason why I think the Beatitudes is so, so important is because if you look in the Bible, if you look from the very beginning in the book of Genesis all the way through the Old Testament— God is always about blessing people. Adam and Eve, Abraham, David, all the way through there's these covenant blessings that he makes with different individuals all the way through the Old Testament. When we get into the New Testament, if you understand anything about theology or whatever, Jesus came and Jesus starts what they call the New Covenant. So that's available to all of us so we can all have relationship with Jesus. And the very first sermon that Jesus delivers under the new covenant is called the Sermon on the Mount, and he starts with, blessed are the poor in spirit for they see the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those that are meek. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed, are... And so he starts off straight away talking about blessing. There's nine beatitudes. There's nine fruits of the Spirit, and there's nine gifts of the Spirit in Scripture, and the number nine means complete divine completeness. And I think that there's something significant in all of that, that when we walk through our lives, so often we think fruitfulness of our lives is maybe our career, or maybe this, or maybe that. But fruitfulness in the kingdom is about the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and the beatitudes of the kingdom. And if we can get those nine things, all those things operating well in our lives, the Bible says that there is a divine completeness or a divine blessing that takes place for us. And the reason why the Beatitudes is such a challenging thing is because it's completely countercultural to the world we live in. Because he says things like, blessed are the poor in spirit. And we're like, no, 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 blessed are those who are strong, confident, got their act together. Yes? Yes? Blessed are those who mourn. Are you with me? And I think one of the cool things is, is, is it says this, it says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. <laughs> and sometimes I think the reason why we don't see God is because we have got some mixed stuff in our hearts and because we've mixed it, we don't necessarily see him in our situation. Anyway, there's a whole other message in itself. Yeah. So I want to really encourage you. I think this series is going to be amazing, and how many people know we live in a world right now where the values are just weird, and, and kingdom values don't care about your feelings. Kingdom values care about the kingdom, and care about the scripture, and care about what God says, and, um, and we need to raise up a people or disciples that understand the values of the kingdom. So that we're not led by feelings, but we're led by the Spirit of God. Yes? All right. Enough of that. Who can remember the first week of How to Hug a Vampire? What was the first week called? (laughs) Yay! Thank you. Thank you, Amanda. It was you suck, I suck, we all suck. And we understood this, that we. it's very hard. You can't go around judging people for sucking the life out of you because we all suck too. And there's somebody somewhere in our world that finds us a vampire, even though we don't think we are. Week two was vampires rule the night. And we talked about how uh, there are things in our world sometimes that could be 30 years old, hurts and pains or whatever, that we've never dealt with. And so what happens is, is that it's the vampire, that vampire of hurt or pain that we've never dealt with, just sits away in the darkness sucking the life out of us. And how the Bible says that we need to deal with that stuff and let God in to bring healing so that that stuff doesn't suck off us anymore. And then uh, week three, we looked at how to hug your vampire. In other words, how to hug yourself, yes? Yes. How to love yourself, how to how to find how to give forgiveness, how to receive forgiveness, what forgiveness really is and what forgiveness really isn't. And and then the last week we started the series, I started a two-part message called How to Suck Proof Your Life. And what we looked at was this is that Jesus, out of all the people that ever walked the planet, had more people sucking the life out of him than anybody I would suggest that's ever walked the place. People were around him all the time, crowds and crowds and crowds and crowds of people, and yet Jesus still had all the love in the world for every single person he encountered. Even though people were sucking the life out of him, he didn't fall into the dysfunction of suction, but he learnt how to suck-proof his soul so that he could have people sucking off him, but he was still able to love them, never running out, never running dry, never... um, being completely wasted and burnt out and drained completely. And, and the thing is, is that we can live that way too, but we can't do it in our own strength. We need God's strength to do it. And we looked at two things last week. There's four things that we wanted to look at all together. We looked at two things last week, and we we'll looked look at two things this week. But just a reminder of last week the first thing we looked at was nobody can take what you've already given away. Nobody can take from you what you've already given away. The devil can't steal what I freely give to God. And so when we give our dreams and when we give our desires and we give our stuff to God, the devil can't take it because the thief can't steal something from an empty house. You are right? No one took Jesus' life. Jesus laid down his life. And no one can take our lives when we lay down our lives for the kingdom. So don't ever say that somebody's made you miserable No one makes you miserable if you've laid your life down because the peace you have in your heart has very little to do with the inputs of others and everything to do with your relationship and intimacy with your heavenly Father. The peace you have is not based on what people around you are doing. It's about your relationship with Him. This peace I give you, a peace that the world doesn't understand, it's about our relationship With him, the second thing we looked at is that we never write people off, but we must always watch our balance sheet. In other words, we just can't go away randomly, freely giving ourselves away to a whole lot of people and putting a whole lot of investment into a whole lot of people because we're a limited resource. We are not unlimited. We all have energy levels. We all have a capacity of some kind before we have run out. And what we learned was, according to Scripture, Jesus and the Apostle Paul, is that it's okay to categorize relationships, not label people. Just categorize a relationship. Just understand that that's a relationship that drains me. That's a relationship that replenishes me. Doesn't mean that we ignore that one and we only hang out with that one. We just understand that if I'm going to have a relationship with this person that drains me, I need to make sure I balance my sheet out by hanging out with people that replenish me so that I have something to give into that relationship. Because if the withdrawals exceed the deposits, you're an overdraft. And it's not the ATM machine's fault when you go to it and you can't get any money out. It's the balance of your bank account that's the problem. You're all quiet on me today. You have to have enough people irrigating your life to make up for the people irritating your life. So that you don't run dry. And when you label or when you categorise a relationship correctly, you can approach it appropriately because you're never going to be let down or upset about it because you understand what that relationship is. Cool? Number three is this. Real love doesn't leak, it overflows. Real love doesn't leak, it overflows. Matthew 14, 13 to 24, uh, 14, 13 to 24 says this. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by, private, by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed the sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. He looks up to heaven, he blesses it, and he breaks it, and then they give it out. The disciples gave it out to all the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up. 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over, and the number who ate was about 5,000 men plus women and children. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up onto the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was all there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the wind and the waves because the wind was against it. Now, I've, I've spoken on the feeding of the 5,000 so many times, I, I, I can't really remember how many times I've done it, but I saw something this week in that story that I've never seen before. And maybe you have seen it before, but I hadn't seen it before. And what I saw in the story that I hadn't seen before is that before the miracle and after the miracle, Jesus withdrew by himself. Jesus went into a solitary place so that he could pray or he could engage with his heavenly father's presence so that by the time he got to the next hungry crowd, he had something to give. Jesus made sure that he was full before they turned up and full after They turned up. He knew to get what he needed so that he could give the people what they needed. And the only place that he could find what he needed to give them what they needed, and the only place that you and I can find what we need to give people around us, what they need is in our Father's presence. Even though Jesus had such demands on him from people, he stayed so full of his Father's love that he didn't leak. He never ran out, but rather was consistently able to overflow to meet every single person's needs. You want to grab that table, Andre? I've got a little illustration for you this morning. Is that okay? Okay? Even... Even supporters of the Warriors, who are absolutely rubbish, are more enthusiastic than what I just got. Then, all right, I'm just going to hold the microphone for me. Doing such a great job, man! And so, here's here's the thing about uh, making sure that we don't leak. Yeah, get myself let myself get sorted. You see. If we are the red cup, if we are the red cup, and the clear cups are the cups that we're trying to minister to people, when we, have, when we have holes in our lives, we will eventually fill those cups up, but the problem is, is that we'll always be empty. You see, the problem is when we don't address our brokenness, we may help other people, but we're always left dry and empty. And what Jesus taught us was not that we should be leaking love, but that we should be overflowing in love. And so what happens is we are able to fill up the people around us out of the overflow of what God is doing in our lives, and we are still full and not empty because we have learnt that love doesn't leak, but love overflows. God never intended, thank you, Andre, for you and I to leak love, but to overflow love. <laughs> you see, a broken cup stays empty because it leaks. And the other one stays full while it overflows. And the same amount is going in, but one stays empty and one stays full. And here's the problem. You and I can think that we're loving people when really all we're doing is leaking. Some of you think you're loving people, but really all you're doing is you're leaking because by the time you've leaked all over them, you have nothing left. And then you say things like, I'm just really tired. I just, I just need to take some time out. I, I, I just need to take some time out from serving. I just need to take some time out because, you know, I'm just, I'm just drained. I'm just exhausted. No, no, you're leaking rather than overflowing. Overflowing. You see, if we're going to love people that suck the life out of us, if we're going to suck-proof our souls, we need to make sure that we allow God to get in and mend our lives first so that we are constantly full. And then what people are getting from us is the overflow of what God has done in our lives instead of the leaks through the pains and the heartaches of our life. Very quiet. You see, God doesn't want our love to leak. He wants our love to overflow because we're full of his presence. And it's impossible for an empty cup to overflow. God doesn't want you empty. He wants you overflowing. I don't want us to be a church That's leaking all the time, trying to meet the needs of our community and getting frustrated with how short we fall from the mark and then feel guilty because we're not really reaching the people that we wish we were reaching and feel worse about it than when we started. I want us to be a church where we meet so often in the presence of God that we're just overflowing into every situation. That what happens here is we get full and then what happens on Monday to Saturday is the over overflow into the lives of those around us, that we don't come in here on a Sunday to fill up so that we leak out during the week. No, 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 we come in here on a Sunday so that we can overflow into our week, overflow into our families, overflow into our workplaces, overflow into our neighbours, overflow into our schools. Not leak, but overflow, just like Jesus, where he had this ability to pull himself away before the crowds came, so when they came, out of the overflow, he ministers to them. And then when they've finished ministering to them, he knows I've got to get back into his presence so that I can get full again to overflow into the next season. It is more blessed to give than receive, but if you don't have something to give, then, then, then there's nothing at all. We can only receive from his presence and then we can give out of that. And so many people go through their lives not giving of themselves because they've done things for other people and those other people haven't done things back to them or they've let them down. And we're promised things by people that they never deliver on. And once you've gone through a little bit of that, where people have constantly let you down and people have constantly not come through for you the way that you thought, you can start to feel like it's not worth it. It's not worth it pouring my life into people. It's not worth it giving of myself. It's not worth it being out three nights a week. It's not worth it giving up time with my family to, to be with other people and input into them. And you can start to withdraw and hold back of what it is that God wants you to give. And the problem isn't the people. The problem is that we're leaking rather than overflowing. You start to go through the motions and you talk about love, but you don't really give love. You talk about purpose, but you don't really serve purpose. When your heart is broken, you can get really despondent and really discouraged. Here's a quote that I read a wee while ago, and it's been really speaking to me. People that want community unify around an interest. People that want fellowship unify around a purpose. And we are meant to be the fellowship of believers, not the community of believers. We don't unify around an interest in God. We Fellowship around a purpose of his kingdom. You're right? Last thing I'll talk about. It's going to be short today. Don't look for people to pay you back, win your reward from the Lord. I know that sounds cheesy, but it works. Don't look to people or expect people to pay you back for all the good that you've done. If they do, great, it's awesome. But if they don't, that's good too. Just claim your reward from the Lord. How how does Jesus set this example in John 13, 1-5? It says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel as he wrapped that was wrapped around him I think that this story is so powerful because I think it's powerful to know that Jesus washed the feet of the one who was going to betray him Jesus didn't wash all the disciples' feet but Judas Knowing that Judas was going to betray him, Jesus still got down, humbled himself, and washed Judas's feet. If that's not hugging a vampire, I don't know what is. Jesus washed the feet of the one who was on course to betray him. And the Bible doesn't just tell us what Jesus did, that he washed his feet, but it tells us why he did it. It says that because he knew where he had come from and where he was going to, he had no problem in that moment sacrificing himself for people that didn't appreciate it. You see, when you know who you've come from and who you're going to, then I don't need a reward from other people. I don't need their appreciation because I'll find my reward in the Lord when I return. In fact, the Bible puts it this way. All the things of this world are wood, hail, and stubble, will be burned by fire. But the things of the kingdom are precious stones that will withhold and will stand the fire. And that's the whole thing. It's like, it's not about... What I'm going to get from people, my reward is in the Lord. I, I don't have to be appreciated. I don't need people to, to do things. Not that I, I have a problem if you do want to appreciate me. That's cool. I just don't need it. And if we're constantly looking for people to pay us back for what we've put into them, we will always be bitterly disappointed because people always let us down. But God never does. I mean, they should have been washing his feet. He was the master, but this didn't matter to Jesus because he wasn't looking to them for his reward, but he knew where he had come from, and he knew where he was going, and he knew that his time was now, and he knew his reward was ahead of him. He was returning to his father, and he knew that when he returned to his father, he knew that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He didn't have to prove it because he knew it. I don't need you to prove that I am the saviour of the world. I know I'm the saviour of the world, and I don't need you to thank me because my reward is in heaven. You know, we've been doing a 14-section a, a subdivision here on the church property to raise enough capital for us to do the next stage of the, of the vision here. And, and um, whether I've liked it or not, it's been a great learning experience as I've almost kind of project managed the whole thing. And, and it's been interesting. And, and by the way, by the end of this week, all the actual works will be 100% complete And so from the end of this week onwards, it all comes down to how long the City Council takes to give us titles for the section. So if you could pray that that would happen really, really quickly, because if you've ever dealt with Auckland City Council, you know that when it comes to speediness, it's not their priority. So um, if we could pray that that would happen, that would be awesome. But in the process of all of this, we've had... Civil contractors moving dirt and all that stuff. We've had chorus putting in the internet. We've had counties energy putting in the power. We've had you know uh, water care services putting in all the water stuff. And we've had all this stuff going on. And 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 what happens is, as each month the bills come to me, the civil contractor, the earth mover, doesn't go to chorus and said, "Hey, here's a bill. Can you pay it?" Chorus doesn't go to count his Energy and go, hey, here's the bill, can you pay it? Can you pay the bill? They're all working together on the project, but the earth mover doesn't pay the energy company and the energy company doesn't pay the telecommunications country company. They don't ask each other for checks, they come to me for payment. And what we tend to do in the Christian world is we're looking for others to pay us, well I ser- I I know I'm serving Jesus. I know I'm know I'm giving up my time. I I know I'm serving him as a as a connect group leader. I know I'm serving him as a host team member. I know I'm serving him in the kids. I, I know I'm serving him in mainly music. I know I'm serving him in all these areas. I know that it's him I serve, but if those around me could pay me that would be awesome. So we go looking for payment for the wrong places instead of understanding that our payment, see, see the earth mover is never going to get paid by chorus. He's got to come to me for payment and we have to go to him for our reward, not to those around us because we're not serving them, we're serving the Lord. And he's the project manager and he's the one that the bills go to and he's the one that pays you. As long as you're looking for a paycheck from people, you will always be disappointed because your reward comes from the Lord. It's the Lord you are serving. Your inheritance comes from Him. In any relationship, I believe, it doesn't really matter what is happening with God on my side. I am coming out on top because He's the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He's the one that if you don't quit, you will receive your reward we're building a church that is all about Jesus and people will come and people will go people will stay and people will leave but it doesn't matter who stays and it doesn't matter who leaves because our reward is not in bums on seats but our reward is in the Lord He's the one who pays. I bless that person that didn't bless me back because you have been blessed in so many ways. God has blessed me. He has saved me. He has delivered me. He has cleansed me. He has poured out his mercy and his grace and his goodness upon me. He has blessed me in so many ways that my reward comes from the Lord. He is my rewarder. Him and him alone is our rewarder. Nobody else Rewards you, but God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He fills me to overflowing. He's more than enough. He's all I need today. He's all I need tomorrow. He's all I need next week. He's all I need next month. He's all I need in 2023 and 2024. He is enough. He's more than enough to meet your needs. He's more than enough to heal your body. He's more than enough to restore your soul. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. You don't need Reward from those around you, he's enough, he will reward you. He's the rewarder. Why don't you stand to your feet right now in this place? Every single person, come on, stand. We so often look for others to reward us. Callum, you can jump on the keys. But he's the rewarder. And I want to challenge you a little bit this morning, church. Right, like, man, you already challenged me. Well, I'm going to challenge you a little bit more. I think if we've been in this series, we understand that we can't become vampires that suck the life out of people. We can't ignore those that suck life out of us. We've got to minister to them and bless them. But there's one thing you can be a sucker of: You can suck away on this as much as you like. Don't go with your dirty mind somewhere. I want us to become a place that sucks vision out of this place. I want us to become a church that are vision suckers. We're just sucking the vision out of it. Where can I serve? How can I help? If you want want to do something for God, then you can do this. You can sign up to help out. You can sign up to become part of a host team, become part of our kids' team, become part of the production team, music team. There's stuff that you can sign up to do because it's, it's not, it, the kingdom is not for those who spectate, but for those who participate. Well, I, I, I've been heard and, and I haven't been thanked before by other people when I've done stuff because you're looking for your reward from people instead of looking for your reward from the Lord. If I was looking for my reward from people, I would have quit this year. I would have quit last year. In fact, I would have quit all of the 14 years that we've been here. But my reward is not from you and I've got to remind myself all the time. It's not about whether you appreciate me or not, although I'm sure you do but I don't do this for your thanks. I do this for the Lord. I do it for the audience of one. It's Him we serve. Yes, we're helping people. Yes, we're serving people. But that's not who we serve. We serve the Lord. What you do for the least of these, you did for me. So you can become a vision sucker. Because some of you, are skilled musicians and you're not signing up to anything. Some of you have the best smile on the face of the planet, but you haven't joined a host team yet. Some of you can make amazing coffee. And for all those that drink tea, I posted a little story yesterday about how to make tea correctly. You let it brew for three minutes then you take the tea bag out, throw the tea out, and make yourself a coffee. <laughs> so you're like, man, how, how can I serve? How can I serve? Be a giver of your money? Oh, he's talking about money. We never talk about money, hardly ever do we talk to you about giving. Here's my pledge to you we will never take up a special offering for anything. If you do your bit, if you bring your tithes and your offerings, the Bible says this in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, bring all your tithe into the storehouse. What's the storehouse? The local church. And if you look after my house, I'll look after your house and I'll open up the windows of blessing and pour out such a blessing upon you that you won't have enough room to contain it. Here's my promise to you, we'll never take up a special offering for anything. If you do your bit, we will manage it properly. If you do your bit, then we will be good stewards of what God gives us. You can give of your money, you can give of your time, you can give of your abilities, you can give of your smile. Let's not be people suckers, let's be vision suckers in this place. You can help them mainly music on a Friday. We can be people where we come and we give continuously, not out of our emptiness, but out of the overflow of what God is doing, pressed down, shaken together, running out all over, because that's, you see, here's the thing, to those that don't have, it'll be taken from them, and to those that do have even more, it's, it's, it's a whole principle that if you don't use what God has given you, He will give it to someone else. But as we continue to use what He has given us, He will continue to pour in His blessing. And there are, t- there are three judgments when you get to heaven. One is whether you know Him as your Lord and Saviour. Two is what did you do with what I gave you? The gifts and the calling of God without repentance. He doesn't take them away from you. And three, He says this, it'll be better on the day of judgment for Sodom and Gomorrah than for your generation. So we have a responsibility, and this time, in this moment, what are we doing to fulfill his promises? And I wanna challenge you, if you are not signed up to help in any way, I challenge you this morning, sign up at the information desk. We can teach you how to smile. We will make teaching you how to make coffee a priority we can teach you. But the thing is is this, we want to do it because we love him. It's about him. It's about Jesus. I serve him. I serve him. It's not my life. He paid a price for it. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It's not about me. It's about his kingdom. And so as we go into the Beatitudes series for the next nine weeks, I encourage you, be in church every week. Why? Because you'll get to know him properly. Because the Beatitudes are really the attitude of the kingdom. The attitude, the Bible says this, let this mind be in you as also was in Christ that he humbled himself. The Beatitudes will teach you how to think like God thinks. But I say all that to say this. Maybe some people here, and this is what I really felt while I was praying in my office today. I know what it's like to be let down by people, to not be appreciated, to feel like people don't care, to not get thanked. And I'm not talking about pastoring, I'm just talking about life in general. I know what it feels like, but I also know what it feels like in church. In the church that I was in, I I was the assistant youth pastor, me and Trinity were doing that role, 350 kids in the youth ministry, When she got really, really sick and ended up in hospital, you know how many phone calls and visits we got in hospital from the pastoral team? Zero. No one visited us. No one called us. Why? Because one thought the other was doing it, and the other one thought the other one was doing it. And I was about ready to walk out of the church and go, stuff this. Even, Even when we had to resign from that role because Trinity was so sick, you know what the reward was? As we walked out the door, no follow-up. No, hey, how are you doing? How are you coping? When you're doing something like that and then you stop, it leaves a big hole in your life. That's when you're in danger that you fill it with things that actually aren't important. And I can remember being in church one Sunday morning And I made a decision in the middle of worship, this will be my last Sunday in this church, ungrateful bunch of snots. My senior pastor walks past me to the front. I could see him out of the corner of my eye, and I was like, hmm. He walks past, and he puts his hand on my shoulder, and he goes, hey, mate, and gives me a big smile. I'm like, hey. I don't don't want to say what I thought. Hey. And then right in the middle of the next song, God speaks to me and he goes, hey, I get that you're hurt, but I didn't hurt you. People hurt you because you put your expectation in them instead of in me. And here's the thing, Craig, the Bible says this, that Jesus said to Peter, hey, the devil has desired to sift you as wheat. But it's okay, Peter, I've prayed that it doesn't happen. No, that's not what it says. He says, but I've prayed for you that once you've gone through all this crap, that you would stand and strengthen your brothers. Stand and strengthen your brothers. (coughs) And before he went through that, Jesus said to him, Simon, Simon, the devil has desired to sift you as wheat. His name wasn't Simon. His name was Peter. Upon this rock, I'll build the church. Why did he call him Simon? Because the enemy only has access to your past, never your future. And I came out of that meeting and I said to the pastor, can I talk to you in the office? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go in the office and I go, I want you to know. I was about ready to leave the church today because you have really hurt me. And I feel completely and totally unappreciated and that you didn't give a rip about us because no one visited us while Trinity was sick in hospital. No one rang us, nobody cared. We served in this church for seven years, flogging our guts out. And when I say flogging our guts out, I'm meaning flogging our guts out. But it's okay, I'm not leaving because even though you hurt me, God has never hurt me. And I'm not here because of you. I'm here because of God. I thought I might get a bad reaction to that. What the reaction I got was, you have to share that next Sunday in church. And so he stands up and says, oh, I've got Craig's going to share something with you all. And, and, um, and I want you to know, if anybody has any reason why they should leave the church, it's these guys, because we have been horrendous towards them. That's what he told, 600 people. So I get up and I tell my story. I say, hey, you know what? God God never hurt me. People hurt me. And I just sense that morning, just like this morning, there's a bunch of us here where we're like, man, we've kind of turned, not turned our back, but we've kind of turned our side to God because of what others have done to us. And it's time to turn back to him. And let the glory of God shine upon you because your reward is in the Lord, not in people. And I get that you've been hurt and maybe you're going to get hurt again, but we don't do this for the accolades of people. We do it for the Lord. And I believe God wants to heal you of that pain this morning. So why every eye is closed. If you're here, and maybe you've even been hurt in this church. Maybe as you heard that story, you're like, yeah, well, your, your senior pastor is you towards me. And maybe I have hurt you. Certainly never been intentional, but if I have, I'm sorry. Here's the thing, and I hate this about the kingdom. It's not your fault you got hurt, but it is your responsibility to be healed. And if you're here and you've been hurt in church and you've been hurt by people, you've been hurt maybe by your parents, you've been hurt by those that should not have let you down. I believe the Holy Spirit is here in this moment and he wants to bring healing to you. And so if that's you and you're like, man, i got so much pain from being let down by people that I I just need Jesus to come and bring healing to my life. While no one is looking around, why don't you lift up your hand right now in this place? I'm gonna pray for you. If that's you, you've been really, really wounded by people. Really wounded. Come on, there's a whole heap more than that. What are What are you afraid of, Father? My church, just pray. You see every single hand lifted in this place. You see. The hands that aren't lifted where there's pain and hurt and heartache. I pray, Father, in this moment, in this time, Lord, that you would come, Holy Spirit, that you would pour out your presence upon them right now, that their heart that has been hardened by the, by the, uh, Actions of others would start to soften as you start to come and ply it and massage it, that there would be a healing that would come to their hearts in such a way that they never ever thought that they could feel this way. God, I break off all anxiety. I break off all emotional stress and pain and heartache, because God, you you don't want us to leak. You want us to overflow. And so come right now, mend their hearts, mend their souls, mend their emotions, mend their minds, mend every part of who they are, that they will become a net that can capture the fullness of what God has for them again and again and again. We break off every principality and power right now that will be coming against them, that's trying to destroy them from things from their childhood to things in there's certainty right here and now. We break the power of those things off and we pray, Holy Spirit, come, mend, heal, fill to overflowing that as they step out of this place, that it would overflow into their family, that it would overflow into their workplace, it would overflow into their parents, it would overflow into their children, overflow into their schools and their workplaces, overflow into Pack and Save and everywhere we go, that the overflow of the God that is more than enough Will be pouring out of us into the lives of those around us, never running dry because you brought healing to all the breakages, to all the holes, to all the cracks in our lives because you are the God that heals. By His stripes, we are healed. Not won't be healed, not might be healed, but we are healed. So let the blood of Jesus come and wash along those scar tissue, wash along those cuts and bring healing. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, you start. If, you, if you've got some pain in your life, come on. You just say, come on, God. Come on, I'm receiving from you. Maybe you need to lift your hands in this place right now. Come on, God, I'm receiving from you. Let the liquid love of God pour into you right now. In Jesus' name, come on. Father, thank you. Holy Spirit, move. Walk for every seat. Walk for every life. Bring healing. Bring your power. Bring the Holy Ghost into their worlds right now. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.